0: Before we get started, just a quick content warning. There is some strong language used in this episode.
1: I want to dedicate my life to Mexican cuisine. I remember finishing a menu and like sending it to my sister. She's like, I don't know what any of this is, you know? But that was kind of the point. So many people say that they love Mexican food, right? They're like, I love Mexican food. You don't know shit about it. There's so much cultural history about it that you have to know. It's either white corporate places or buddies that want to open up a Mexican place and like put sriracha in their tacos and make white people Mexican food, which is fine. Everything has their niche market. I don't mean it to be a negative thing, but that wasn't what I wanted to do, you know?
0: I'm John Frechette, and welcome to Best Laid Plans, the podcast that speaks to successful creatives in various industries about the moments in their careers when they had to pivot, compromise, or make a comeback when things didn't go as planned. Deanna Davila is the executive chef and owner of Mitokaya and Antojeria, the lauded Mexican restaurant located in Chicago's Logan Square neighborhood, which debuted in 2017. In 2019, Deanna was a semifinalist for the James Beard Foundation's award for Best Chef, Great Lakes. This year, Deanna is nominated once again for her work at Mitokaya. But her success story is not an overnight one, as she recounts navigating the sexism inherent in the restaurant industry, the struggle of executing her exacting vision in the face of cultural ignorance, her path to becoming an executive chef, Mitokaya was not her first stint at the helm, overcoming failure and the necessity of becoming a chef owner. And as you'll hear, Deanna is not afraid to say what's on her mind, and we are grateful for it.
1: As long as your knives are sharp, it doesn't fucking matter what kind of knife you have. So you spending your money on a $300 knife that you don't even know how to sharpen or use is very stupid.
0: Now, here's Deanna with her story.
1: I looked at being a chef as An artist, You know, not only does it have to look and taste and smell beautiful, but I also enjoyed the aesthetics of going to these restaurants and seeing the ambiance of how it looked and how that tied in. So, I mean, I fell in love with restaurants. Even at a young age when my parents bought their first taqueria, you know, I was always involved with my mom. We would pick out plates, we would paint the restaurants. And that was since I was in like fourth grade. I don't ever remember my parents ever even asking me what college do you want to go to or do you know what you want to do? And I have an older sister who, you know, she knew also at a very young age when she was in high school what she wanted to do. So maybe they just assumed that we would randomly work it out. But I never got pressure nor did they ever tell me like, oh, what if you were a chef? In fact, when I had that sort of epiphany that I wanted to be a chef, I, I kept it from them because in my young mind, I thought that they were going to tell me that that wasn't a real job and that I just am thinking that because I'm always at the restaurant. Once I said that I wanted to be a chef, they like announced it to the world. And everybody was like, oh, well you have to go to Europe and you know that I had to go to Paris to study because that would be the best way to be the best chef that I could be and you know for some reason I didn't want to do that I don't know why and that actually bothered my mother above all this is such a great opportunity like how can you say no who says no to Paris which is yeah exactly who who does you know say no but I don't know. It just didn't feel right. And I think it's it was a combination of things for me. I really loved Chicago and I did want to stay in Chicago. Looking back at it now, I wish I did because that would have been great to like go you know, to Paris for a year. But who knows if that would have changed where I am now. I, I don't know. I got like my first professional cooking job and it was a French countryside restaurant. I mean, honestly, that was my school and I just wanted to spend every hour there. You know, like I was working 80 plus hours when I was 17 and 18 and 19 years old. Yeah, I was in love. So that was kind of my start. And I loved everybody that I worked with in Chicago, all the kitchens. And my goal was to kind of work at as many places as I could for a year to two years and just soak up everything, eventually working your way like to being a sous chef and then an executive chef. And I figured that it would come to me when I felt prepared. At that point, I got married and my husband had been working with this company for a long time. And He had always told me that, like, probably in order for me to, like, move up, I have to move. And that was always sort of cool with me because I figured I'm a cook. I could get a job anywhere. Right. As long as it's not anywhere whack, you know, (laughs) like, sure, I'll move to California, to New York. And then when he told me D.C., I was like, what? By the time that I was leaving, when the news hit that we were going to be moving to D.C., I was going to be uh, promoted to a sous chef at a restaurant that I really, really loved under a chef that was incredible. And I was kind of bummed about it, you know, cause I really felt like they were gonna do great things. But I'm like, okay, I'll just look for a sous chef job in DC. It took a while to get a sous chef job. I was going out to eat. I was taking a look at where I wanted to work. Like I wanted to have that sort of connection, obviously, that you should have working under a chef, right? And so I finally did a tasting and got hired, and that felt great. And I thought that everything was just going to be business as usual, right? All right, I'm in the kitchen. I feel good. I know what my role is. I know what I have to do. And I really was surprised about what happened next with that. amount of sort of sexism with the team being that I was a woman and they weren't going to be told what to do by a woman. And this was really disheartening to me, I think particularly because they were Latinos. And in my head, I was like, they're going to be so happy, you know, because like I'm a work beast. I'm super hands on. I I have a social personality where like I want to get to know them. And this is a win-win for you guys. You know, you have a fellow Latina being in this position and they should be happy about it. Because coincidentally, I learned really quick too just how terrible the chef would treat the cooks. So I'm like, well, maybe I could change that. Right. But no, they were the worst. They were so mean and terrible. And they literally told me they weren't going to be told what to do by a woman. And before I cried and called my mother and she had to like sort of verbally slap me around a little bit and just told me like, fuck them. You know, like that's your job. If they don't want to do it, then they don't have to. Some of them, yes, you know, actually had to let go of, but the rest came around and, you know, we still actually even keep touch today. Most of them were Salvadorian and from Honduras and I realized it's the way that they were brought up. I mean, we're products of our environment and, you know, I really do truly believe this, that working with me and the professional relationship that we had, I think that they learned how to treat the women in their lives better. I've been working now as an executive chef for a long time. I wouldn't know what it's like being like a cook in a kitchen right now, but I would hope that it has changed a little bit, but I think not. Honestly, I think not. I mean, it's why I ended up opening up my own place because of lack of opportunities. I mean, when I take a look at just in the city of Chicago, like how many executive women chefs there are, and I'm not talking owners, just executive chefs, I really don't know any. The executive chefs that I know are owners. And again, I think that that's because of lack of opportunities and us just being like, hey, we're not gonna wait around for somebody to give it to us, we're gonna we're gonna make our own way. I wanna make sure that that's something that I advocate for, that sort of change. That you don't have to own your own place to have these positions, to be taken seriously, to have creative control. And for your interview questions not to be do you think that you're going to be able to handle working with all males? This is a question that your boss, that your owner is asking you. I find that to be very inappropriate. But at the time, I didn't think it was. But now I'm like, oh, hell no. So you live and you learn. During my time in DC, I finally got an executive chef position, which took forever. Lo and behold, it's it's a woman-owned restaurant, you know and just one of the coolest people I know too. So she really was an open book and gave me complete creative control. It was a wonderful experience. They had an in-house office. At that point, I had already known how to do Excel and log my invoices in, but I didn't know how accounting works or credit applications. And even that is something that executive chefs should know. So I really sort of just dove in and did it myself with the help of the owner. And we ended up opening a lot of places with her. So that's when I knew, I'm like, you know what? This is what I want to do. I want to be an executive chef of a restaurant. And then the chef of the sort of restaurant group where we do different concepts. We open different restaurants, hire the chefs and create this team. I opened up a Mexican restaurant, this like sort of hipster mercado in D.C. We opened up Sidebar, which was like this sort of gothic cocktail lounge. You know, D.C. was really good to us. And as much as I liked my bosses, it came to a point where I just knew it wasn't home and I felt like I wanted to prove myself that I could do it in the city that I loved, you know? And so at that point, we're like, let's go back to Chicago and see if we could do this all over again.
0: <laughs> Here's the one This is going to be a tough play, Bryant.
1: So we spent five years in D.C. When I came back, I felt pretty good about myself. I felt really confident. I knew what my struggles were going to be. Like I knew that I was going to really have to like sort of rebuild. But I wanted to have a job in a restaurant group like, and be able to sort of start that with them. It took some time, and um, and that didn't work out. <laughs> it was very specific what I wanted. And uh, I went back and started my job search and found a job that was very, very interesting, wanting to be farm to table year round here in Chicago. Well, how are you going to do that year round when our growing season is like eight to 11 weeks? I really loved that sort of challenge. I also took me on an incredible like learning journey because even my family in Mexico, like they're from the city. So I didn't really know much about farming. And so during this time, I really got to explore the Midwest farmlands, find out just how difficult farming is. All right, what grows here, what doesn't? Like, to put it in perspective, nopales don't grow here. So what grows here that we could do inside of Ensalada and Nopales that we could create something? You know, okra, okra grows here. Oh, this is so cool, like Midwest Mexican. The project started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Rooftop farm, having a full-time farmer, doing seed research. I mean, it it was great, but it was also a project that, uh, what, millions of dollars beyond its budget. I kind of saw it happening in front of my eyes, but I'm like, no, 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 because it really did a lot to the owners of the place. And this is something that, like, I was very familiar with. I mean, I saw... Sometimes with my parents, like when it was good, it was good. When it was bad, it was bad and it was ugly, you know, like I could only imagine the amount of stress, you know, like and this is me looking back at it. But in my opinion, they were quite ugly to me when things got bad, you know, and I guess I understand, you know, who do you take it out on? But it felt really bad. And we were open for about two, three months and to like the best reviews. This was like my adult debut in Chicago. So it felt so great to have some of the critics that I very much respect to get it. We had so many people from all over Chicago go and visit. Like, you should feel like on top of the world, but behind the scenes, it was not like that. And so I I did make the decision to leave, which was very, very difficult. I mean, I had handpicked everything. I knew that it was gonna be one of those things where people are gonna wanna find out what happened. And it felt like having a breakup and everybody knows about it. And your partner strong-arming you with lawyers to make sure that you don't say anything, you know? I mean, I was working crazy amount of hours. Like I'm talking like 18, 22 hour days, insane. I mean, I was just so spent. And I feel like I had two weeks of just I couldn't get out of bed and, you know, I didn't want to talk to anybody and just felt like if I was a big failure, because who's going to want to hire me now? And this is all I had. They're probably going to think that I'm like some sort of diva, bitch chef, and like, I'm imagining the worst, right? But I finally got over it and I'm like, all right, well, let's see what's out there. And I had collected a good amount of meetings with people who own buildings, who wanted to have partnerships, but it was all bullshit. I mean, they offer you profit sharing. There's no fucking profit in restaurants and they're not sharing the books with you. Oh, you would be the chef owner, like lies. It's not the way it works. I mean, I was never gonna walk into another situation where it was gonna be like, oh, you have the sweat equity. No, thanks. No, I wanted to execute my own vision, you know. And then I started just watching boxing movies, so like I was mentally ready, you know, like, look at me like, you're ready, look at me, you could do this, you could do this. Like every boxing movie that you could imagine, I watched it. I was getting back into the ring. So I started consulting and then I was building my business plan and looking for places and it happened really fast. Like from the time that I left to opening the door, like it took a year. It was fast and beautiful, really. We learned really quick just how fast money goes and really having to choose what is a priority here? Do we need to have this fancy machine? All the things that sort of you took for granted when working at these other restaurants, like oh, here you have a Cryovac and a PacoJad and you have these combi ovens. Wait, they cost how much? What the fuck? Like, no, I can't afford that. Everything has to go back to What do I want people to experience here? The name, Mitokaya. I say antojeria, you know, like that it's an open kitchen, running food, like what are the plates gonna look like? Do you really need a different plate for every single dish? So you really have to prioritize everything to make sure that you squeeze these limes to the last drop. I started from complete scratch, really. I didn't have a sous chef at the time. I didn't have a general manager at the time, but we had a great problem to have i mean we're busy off the bat and we got a lot of press which was great but it's like a double-edged sword where in my head like i'm like this dish isn't ready like i need more time i need more time you know but I also need to go home and get some sleep because if I come in not being 100, then that means that I'm not able to give 100 with everything else. I love Mitokaya and everything that we built here. I mean, the name, Antojeria, the essence. Like, I feel that it's the first Antojeria in Chicago. I feel like we really built something here for Mexican cuisine and Latinos. We're still here, you know, even after the pandemic. So I feel that We did something right. I always knew I wanted to have children. And I was so surprised that friends and family were telling me, well, what are you going to do now? Like, you can't keep being a chef. After everything that I've gone through and everything, like, how the fuck would they be able to say this to me? You know, it's not that I'm mad because, again, everybody has different upbringing and it's hard to go against A system like I searched the internet for like executive chefs who are pregnant you know executive chefs that are mothers and I never found anything that was comforting or like anybody that I was able to talk to and it was really hard. It's very different for a male chef who has a family and a woman chef who has a family and I think that's another reason why We don't see so many women in these roles, you know, and that's a shame, you know, so I kind of want to get to the bottom of why and what could we do. It makes me feel incredibly good when you get something that says chef of the year and you get to celebrate with your team wow, what we're doing here matters and is important. And people are watching and tasting. And this is great. You're going to be visiting Chicago. you got to stop by Mitokaya. And that to me was a really big goal. We put so much thought into everything. The name, the the style of restaurant we are, la antojeria, the food. It's really a vibe. I want to continue to do that. You could only be best new chef one time. That's it. But you could do bunch of other cool shit, because I don't want to stand still. I want to keep learning. So I think that comes with pushing yourself.
0: Should you find yourself in Chicago in search of a good meal, be sure to pay Mitokaya and Toheria a visit. They are now fully reopened. And of course, all of us at the pod will be rooting for Deanna at this summer's James Beard Foundation Awards. Best Laid Plans is produced by Todd Luoto and myself. Music for this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions. Artwork by Tim Ahern. Special thanks to Christine Davila. You can visit us on the web at bestlaidpod.com. And if you like what you heard today, consider supporting us on Patreon. Thanks for listening.